Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Uh, today's episode, we actually had a guest with us, Melissa Kwan, who is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. She's uh, an entrepreneur, a marketer, a uh, salesperson, and she had a lot of great valuable insights on how you can leverage webinars for your business as a B2B marketer, some trends that we're seeing in both the sales and, and marketing world, and you know how you can adapt your business to how your customers are making purchase decisions and how they're finding information. So her philosophy on, on marketing and leveraging video content and, and webinar content is very similar to what we believe here at 1IMS and what we preach to our clients. And so it was very insightful for us and uh, very insightful, hopefully, for you as a listener. So please uh, give us a like, subscribe to the podcast, share with a friend or a colleague. Let's jump right in. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We have a special guest with us today, Melissa Kwan, who is the co-founder and CEO of a company called eWebinar. Melissa, do you want to just introduce yourself quickly and uh, talk a little bit about what eWebinar is and, and what it does? Yeah. So uh, Melissa Kwan, co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. I've been in startups for 12 years now. So eWebinar is my third company, all bootstrap. So eWebinar, very simple. We save people from doing the same webinar over and over again by turning any video into um, an interactive webinar that they can put on a recurring schedule. So you can imagine things like demos, customer education, onboarding, training, things like that, things that you would maybe do right now over and over on Zoom. We help you replace all those so you never have to do the same webinar twice. That's great. We are, full disclosure to everyone listening, we are a customer and a user of, of eWebinar as well. It's been great for us because we do a lot of those, exactly what you just described in terms of that type of content. And we always preach to our clients that they need to be creating this type of educational content. We see a big trend in terms of videos. We're always talking about the ability to create videos. But we're also seeing in terms of webinars, um, that traditional B2B webinar playbook is, is kind of broken and, and outdated. So you, you talked on a couple of key pieces there that I want to dive into, but we'll start with just the the old framework of you know MQL lead gen, if you will. We're running ads on Facebook or LinkedIn to generate leads, and you know let's say you get a hundred registrants for a webinar, um, but it's only a one time webinar on Wednesday at you know noon, and you know your your customers can't attend or they forget about it. Uh, if something comes up, they don't have time very low attendance rates, you know, people drop off in the middle of it because they're, they're busy. And that's kind of what we've been seeing with, with customers. And there's a lot of effort that goes into create, actually coming up with the topic that you feel is valuable for your audience and then creating the, you know, slide decks for the webinar, preparing, doing a practice round, and then ultimately, you know, hosting a webinar that maybe only five or 10 people are at. It's very difficult to build a sustainable and scalable marketing or sales pipeline with that type of approach. So, Talk a little bit about what you saw in terms of that trend and, and why you created eWebinar as something a little bit different or a twist on that traditional playbook. I mean, I was that person in my previous startup, as exactly as you described, <laughs> that would run those events, right? So whether it would be, you know, a quarterly event that's uh, more for, you know, demand gen, you know, it could be a demo that, you know, people want to schedule with me directly. The problem is I think a lot of webinars, if you think about, um, the content like doesn't really have to be run live. Yeah. Right. Like 
it's not like a movie premiere or like a book launch or it's, it's, it's not always timely. Right. So when I was running those, I was, I was doing them over and over again because people were asking for them. But as you mentioned, the attendance rate were just super low. Yeah. If you just Google like, you know, average webinar attendance rate, you're going to see something like sub 25, sub 25%. And that's normal. Yeah. Um, I actually saw a company post on LinkedIn that the average attendance rate is something like 20%, but that's okay. You can reuse the video. And I'm reading this thing like, well, that might be the norm, but why does that have to be your reality? Yeah. Right. So when I was living through that in my previous startup, I had always imagined this amazing product that would take my perfect video and deliver it like a webinar complete with, you know, interactivity, you know, the things like polls, resources, questions that people can answer and interact with, and also a chat system that would allow people to engage with you, even if you're not there in real time. Mm. And this kind of asynchronous communication, as we call it, is something that we already do every single day, like Mm -hmm. every second of every day. We're texting our family and friends. They may not respond right away, but we're not getting angry at them. Yeah. Right. Like we know they're going to get back to us at some point. Every single website we go to, there's a pop-up that says, Hey, Taylor, can I help you today? And you don't expect a response right away. If you do get a response right away, you're almost delighted. Yeah. But if you don't get a response right away, you know that you're going to get an email later. Yeah. So that was kind of the trend that I was seeing was, um, we were already communicating asynchronously in other aspects of our lives, but for some reason we weren't doing that with webinars and, and B2B content. Right. So that was kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. And the other trend that I was seeing that businesses wasn't really catching up with was how consumers were engaging with video in their everyday lives. Like Netflix, for, for example, mm-hmm. has completely changed the way we expect to consume video today. Mm-hmm. So why is it that when we want to watch a show, when we're consumers, for example, like we expect to go there and press play, but when we consume BDB content, we let our vendors and our partners dictate when we get to consume that. So I just really saw that kind of misalignment and I didn't really understand why that was. So I just kind of imagined a product in B2B that would better align how we want to consume content, particularly video content or B2C lives, for example. And and that's kind of how the the concept of EU webinar came to be. Yeah. Yeah, I love that because there's two big threads in there that we preach all the time. One is being, you know, everything related to your marketing or business, being as customer centric as possible, right? And so you you basically ask yourself, like, if I were to give the consumer or my customer the best possible experience, what does that look like? Well, that looks like exactly what you said. They can watch it whenever they want. They can communicate with me asynchronously, like you mentioned. And the other side of that is paying attention to consumer trends and you could look at that as a B2C side, if you will, and implementing that into B2B. And if you do those two things across all of your marketing, I feel like you're going to have such a leg up on the competition and your product kind of does, does both of those things, right? Like you said, you're paying attention to how your customers are consuming content in the world of Netflix and Amazon prime and everything is on demand whenever they want it. And then you look at the idea of that, that communication piece. It's funny how fast things change because as you mentioned, Every website has a live chat on it. And I remember when that first started happening, it was like very, you know, people did get upset, right? They would chat and they're like, well, this is, a, is this a robot? Is this a real person? They didn't respond fast enough. And then all of a sudden every website had it. And then there became a norm of, well, this is how you communicate in this channel. You know what to expect. So consumer, I say consumers, but as people, we quickly learn and adapt to how, how we're supposed to interact in different channels and how we're supposed to consume content. 
But as B2B marketers, we're kind of forcing our customers to follow our path, right? Go to this landing page, fill out the form. Then you get an email and you have to wait a week and a half until the actual webinar, which doesn't make a lot of sense because if they were interested in at the time when they clicked on the ad or they got your email about the actual webinar, if they're interested in the topic, why not give that presentation to them right then and there because they're interested, right? So I like the idea and the concept behind it. And I think it can be applied to a lot of areas of marketing. Yeah, one thing I would just add, I was actually at a, a virtual event, uh, not, a, not a virtual event, a real event, uh, an association, of, a manufacturing association was hosting an event and it was a lot of CEOs. And uh, Taylor and I do a lot of uh, webinars that are specifically for a manufacturing uh, audience. So I asked some of those CEOs in a, on a table that I was on, I said, hey, you know, I see most of you guys, you know, register for webinars, but you never show up. Uh, you know, is it because you don't like webinars? They said, well, the part of the fact, you know, fact of the matter is we do have good intention of wanting to attend the, uh, attend the webinar. But, you know, the the work, you know, struggles would come in the way, right? They might have something happen in the shop floor. They have to leave and go uh, attend to that. And so they don't have the time to sit in the middle of the day on a Tuesday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon to watch a webinar. So they all would like the content and they usually have good intention of wanting to join. But the time that we limit them to watch usually is a problem. And they said uh, they're hoping that the recordings would be available later on. So they all know they can watch later. So it's not... Uh, it's not like, the, you know, people don't know that the recording is going to be available later. So I think this whole idea of uh, the webinar has to be always live and made available when um, people are, you know, middle of the day trying to do their job. Um, it's kind of an old, uh, old thinking, I think. I mean, the other thing that I was seeing in the past was like, yes, people are registering, expecting to watch the replay. But I'm first to admit that my inbox is a replay graveyard. Uh-huh. Like I really don't go and watch the replay. Uh-huh. And mm. I realize it's also because when I tried to do that, the video quality is low. There's a lot of interruptions. There's questions and answers that aren't really relevant to me. There's a lot of housekeeping that's not relevant to me, right? Like a lot of people send out the replay without actually editing it. So then I bounce very quickly. Like I lose interest very quickly. Um, and so I was in the past thinking like, what if you could watch this piece of video content, you know, whether it's, you know, a webinar or whatnot, and your experience is the same every single time, right? What if it's the same video every time? Well, like, what if I register for a replay or register for a session tomorrow or next week, and I'm getting actually the exact same experience, right? So that was also part of the reasoning behind like why we wanted to build something like eWebinar, because like, why should watching a replay be a lesser experience, right? And, and going back to the idea of B2B disconnect, right? Like, it's almost like, what if I told you that you can only watch your favorite show next Tuesday at 11? Yeah. Like that would just never fly. But as sellers, we want to control that path, as you mentioned, right? We want you to follow our path. We want to gate all the information. We don't want to show you the pricing. We want to, you know, we maybe we don't want to show our competitors our pricing, but you know what? They already know. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, it's a, it's a big we excuse know, we get all the doing. time. Yeah. Yeah we, yeah. we can't do this. We can't do that. We, you know, basically stopping your, or, you know, hindering your ability to market in general, because you're worried your competitors might see it. Right. Well, your customers will never see yeah. it if you, if you don't put it out there. Yeah. But then the thing is, if we think about our own buying journey, yeah, right. Like how do we want to buy something? Right. If I want to buy a TV, the first thing I do is what? Like I go on review sites. I ask my friends, like I see if anyone's done the research and then I see what they've done. Yeah. Right. And then maybe I'll go into a store, but I don't want to talk to anybody. Right. Right. So I think, you know, customers now, like, like us consumers want all the information up front. But when we're, when the same customer, we are the seller, we don't want to give anything. Right. Right. But 
any marketer that under, like, I think why this is important is any marketer, any business owner that, that understands this knows that there's a huge opportunity. If you can align those expectations together, you can have such a leg up on your competitors. Like that's your brand, right? How you deliver the customer journey and the buying experience is how they're going to talk about you to other people. Yep. So that's really where I see the business opportunity. I agree. And that should be the goal for every, every organization, every marketing department is, is to accomplish that. One, along those same lines, I wanted to ask you. So again, if you go back to the traditional B2B playbook funnel, if you will, webinars are always seem to be kind of at the top of the funnel, right? But you mentioned a couple interesting pieces and you just talked about a couple interesting applications rather. And you just talked about where you're actually seeing the alignment with the customer journey. So where have you seen your customers? How have you seen them leveraging webinars uh, and where through the buyer's journey? Are they always a top of the funnel piece of content or how else can companies leverage webinars and these type of videos? Yeah, I think uh, um, if, we, if we're talking about marketing mm-hmm. specifically, then a lot of it is top of funnel. And the reason it's top of funnel, it's because it's used to qualify leads, mm-hmm. right? Instead of hopping on a one-on-one call, like I'm going to feed a thousand people yeah. right into this webinar at their own time. And that's the magic, right? Mm-hmm. At their own time. It's not like a one-time event that happens. Mm-hmm. And then the CTA like might be, you know, sign up for this, or it could very much be, Hey, book a time with our team. Yeah. But you know that anyone who spent the time to watch this 20 minute webinar, whether it's, you know, it could be a customer interview, it could be a straight up sales pitch, whatever it might, it could be customer education, but you know that if they get to the end and they still hit, I want to book a time with, with your team, Like those are, I guess, your hot leads, right? People that are well-educated, they're ready to close. They come in, they ask a few questions and they become a customer. And then everyone else, like not everyone is ready to talk to your sales team. And that's the reality. Mm -hmm. Everybody is at a different point in their buying journey, but that doesn't mean that they're not worthy of that information. Right. Right. Like if it, by, by forcing people to book a time on your calendar and only get a demo when they get on your calendar, um, you're also forcing them into a journey where, you know, they like, maybe they're not there yet. Right. right? So I think in, in marketing, a lot of that, that's how a lot of people use webinars is, is, is top of funnel, but there's also, um, you know, a big use case in using this for re-engagement campaigns, yep. right? Like, um, you know, I've got a ton of people in my, in my mailing list that I haven't engaged in a while. Like, why don't I put out a piece of education and then give them an opportunity to connect with me? Like why are webinars so much more superior to a YouTube video, for example, because people come in and they have the ability to reach out to you. And then you have the ability to start building that relationship with them again. Mm. And that's really only made possible through this particular channel because Mm. people come to a webinar and there is, there is a chat, right? There are, you know, polls that they can take or resources they can get, you know, from that. Um, But if we go outside of marketing, like webinars are used every single day for post-sales customer support right? Getting trained on a product, getting trained on a service, um, any new feature updates, like how else can you get in front of that many people at the same time without, you know, hopping on a plane, for example, mm-hmm. right? This is really the kind of the only channel. Mm-hmm. So I know you mentioned that 20% was the show up rate for someone who's having to register and uh, show up to a live webinar. What's, what's typically been the rate for someone who's coming and watching a pre-recorded one? So if I look at our, our demo, for example, our show up rates uh, is 90%. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. at the stats right now. 
Um, and that's because I have this on a recurring schedule. So I schedule my, my demo so that you can watch a replay uh, at your own time. Um, you can watch something on demand right now, or you can schedule something in the next three days. And if I look at the three different schedule types, there is 75% of people actually choose on demand when they're given mm-hmm. the choice. So before coming into this business, I thought, well, who's going to watch a, like, who's going to watch a demo at the time that, like, and the time that they, they discover it, like, aren't they busy? Mm-hmm. But the data doesn't lie. Like the, the <coughs> data I'm looking at right now has had 2000 people register. 90% yep. of them actually showed up. Um, only 18% of them registered for a replay. And actually only 8% of them register for something in the next three days. Hmm. So we might think, oh, if we put a webinar, um, you know, if we schedule a webinar that's two weeks out and we have, um, you know, two weeks to market it and get it on, get it on people's calendar, their show up rate is going to be higher. Actually, a lot of things happen between now and and two weeks later. And that's what, that's what we see is when you take that model, it's like the people who show up are the people who registered in the last couple of days, right? So you might be promoting it for two weeks or two months, but the people that actually show up are the ones that registered the day before, right? So Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. I mean, you you talked about if you go and buy a TV, right? It's like if you had to go and you walked into Best Buy and then you had to schedule a time to talk with a salesperson and then come back four days later or two weeks later to buy that TV, like how many people do you think would buy TVs, right? You mentioned, well, who's going to watch the webinar on demand at that moment? Well, they're they're interested in something. They're on your website. They're looking. They kind of want to see a demo. Uh, Why not show them the demo? So uh, I think the statistics are very logical to me. Um, th- it goes against the, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive to the traditional, again, marketing playbook that B2B companies have been using for such a long time. But in terms of being customer centric and putting the customer first in terms of their buying experience, it makes a complete sense. Um, I'm curious when yeah, you say 90, look, go ahead. Sorry. And if I look at all of our customers across the board, on average, um, the attendance rate is actually 65%. So while my own demo um, is, is high because maybe like the intent of coming to our software um, is very specific and high, right? Like, so if I look at like our hundreds of customers across the board, like 65% is still like pretty unheard of. Yeah. So that's actually what I was going to ask about is how are you measuring those? Um, are you still, are your customers and are you personally still gating the content? So when you say, you know, it's 60% show up rate or 90% show up rate, if it's on, if it's truly on demand, right. Wouldn't it be a hundred percent? Or are you saying that they fill out the form to get access and then, you know, 90% of them actually watch it at that time. How are you kind of measuring these uh, statistics? Yeah. So, um, the statistics are based on the people who register cause it's, it's still gated cause okay. it's still a webinar. And that's really like part of the value of a webinar. And actually when you, for some reason, when you call something a webinar, people are just more willing to give you their information. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why marketers find it such a valuable channel, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, you can trigger your CRM or, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, send them into a, a different email sequence or whatever it might be. Um, but from there, uh, the show up rate is anyone, any one of your registrants that actually show up at your webinar. So yes, for on-demand, uh, most people show up. I would say like 95% of people actually show up right. like, because r- right, right after away. you register, it's right away. Like the webinar room pops open, but who knows things happen. Maybe that they, they, 
you know, they have to take their kids to school, whatever it might be, and then cl- they close the browser. Mm-hmm. But there's also uh, replays and future scheduled sessions. So for replay, maybe it goes into their mailbox and they and they think, okay, well, I'll, sh- I'll look at it tomorrow. And maybe they never do, right? right? But that's where webinars are also valuable because you have an email sequence afterwards um, that you can set for follow-up, okay. right? So whether they watched it or not, you could trigger a different sequence. And then, you know, of course, people that want um, schedule it in the future, um, that show up rate is actually the lowest. Have you also looked into the channels? I know you've mentioned you had a very, very high, um, you know, show up rate for the, the on-demand right on the spot. They just came to your landing page and just submitted and watched. What what channels were driving those traffic? Have you looked into that at all? The ones that actually had the best performance? I'm just trying to see if the buyer intent, right? So if they're going to Google looking for e-webinar platform or on-demand webinar platform, and that was more of a buy, you know, bottom of funnel search query and came to your site much more likely to be in in market buyer, right? Whereas somebody who may have seen your podcast somewhere, clicked on your website, came, landed on your site, and, oh, I'll watch, you know, an e-webinar demo maybe three days down in the future, but it was not something that we're seriously considering at the moment. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at 1IMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic. Yeah, because we actually personally only invest in like retargeting campaigns and super bottom Mm -hmm. uh, bottom of funnel keywords. Like I just know that people that come to our site, like they're buying intent is really high, fairly high. Mm -hmm. But also because our product is just really specific, right? It's it's a webinar Mm -hmm. automation product. So if you're coming here, you're probably already doing webinars, or you're curious about doing it. And this is something you may already be looking at, or this is a pain that you're already feeling, right? Our headline is, are you tired of doing the same webinar over and over? So if you come to our website and you're clicking on a demo, like you're probably already feeling that pain and identifying with it. But we also have, you know, our demo widget that is on every single landing page, every blog that we write, whether it's top or bottom of funnel, like we make sure it's just super visible um, because what's the harm? Right. Like we put it in front of like everything. We even embed it in the middle of most of our, uh, most of the blogs um, that, that we put out there. But for us, it's, it's just about visibility. Yeah. So what sort of uh, products do you see the most or do you recommend in, in your opinion that you can do a, a demo like that? Because as you mentioned earlier, you do get a lot of pushback. Right. Um, when we, we say, well, our salespeople need to control the sales process or first we need an intro call with them to qualify them before we show them a demo, or we have so many features that, um, you know, we don't have time to show them all uh, in a demo. It needs to be personalized, all these kind of things where uh, I, I believe that almost any 
software that you're selling, if it's a software um, or any kind of product that's visible like that or visual like that, um, that there's some value that you can show a client, like you said, at scale in a 15, 20 minute demo that should be available to everyone on your website. So curious from your perspective, what type of companies do you feel fit that model that you can show a demo directly on the website without talking to salespeople? I mean, I think you're right. Um, Every single company can come up with their form of a demo, Mm -hmm. right? I think where people get stuck. So I've been a salesperson for 20 years. So everything that you mentioned, I completely identify with. Mm -hmm. And I've heard as well, Mm -hmm. like almost as an excuse. Oh, I can't do that because everything has to be personalized or I must talk to this person. Like I personally must talk to this person. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a lot of times that's where salespeople come from is like, unfortunately, they just feel really important. Like I've Mm -hmm. been a salesperson. I know kind (laughs) of, I kind of know like where they're coming from. Um, but I think that's where people, where people get stuck on is they think a demo must be a feature show and tell, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. a demo could, a demo is, 15 to 30 minutes of undivided attention Mm -hmm. where you get to qualify your lead, how you choose to do that. And whether you even choose to show your product at all is totally up to you, Mm -hmm. especially for maybe enterprise uh, customers or enterprise software or services that maybe do have to be very, very customized. Mm -hmm. Right. But why can't it be, why can't that form of a demo be um, a a company overview? Here's how we're different than our competitors. Here are the problems that we solve. And if you are this type of company, then we want to work with you. And you deliver the CTA, right? Book a time on our, on, on our calendar. You can still qualify people that way, right? Not every demo has to be, here's our software. Here's how you click. Here's how you add a lead. This is what happens when you add a lead. In fact, those are probably the most boring demos, right? Your first demo, you want to be like, you basically want to gauge the interest of that customer, where they are, are they ready to buy? Um, do you even want to talk to them or do you want to put them into a different campaign and then re-engage them later? So I think that's where yeah. people really get stuck on. Yeah. Having been in the sales role and also have done marketing, I think the most, you know, the educator buyers are the best buyers to sell to because you have, you know, you already, they already know your product. You don't have to do a lot of, you know, a lot of pitching and explanation and training and education, right? So that really does help from that perspective. But, but I think, you know, like, even though you mentioned earlier about this buyer journey and how we need to really align our marketing and our sales process to meet that, what do you think is our whole, what is actually is the, the hurdle that we're all having to deal with that we're afraid of giving up information and we're afraid of um, educating our customers way early in the buying process. They're learning it somewhere else uh, if, if we're not doing it. Somebody else is teaching them. I mean, I think a lot of people are not asking themselves, if I were the buyer of my own product, what kind of journey would I want? Right. Yeah. And, and that's easy, right? Like that's like, it's very, very easily solved this. Okay. Well, why don't I just design the buying journey exactly as I would like to experience it? And I think more and more people are, are doing that. Um, and I'm seeing more and more people write about that as well on LinkedIn. Like, just give me the demo. I don't need you to call me. Yeah. Right. Or give me the information. Show me the pricing. Like, I don't want to get on a call with you. I mean, I personally have been, you know, just maybe in the past couple of months on a couple of calls where I thought I was getting on a demo. Right. Where I was already a little bit frustrated because I didn't want to do it. And then I, it turns out it was just a qualification call. Like the person that I got on call with didn't even know anything about the product. 
Yeah. They were just sent on a call with me to see if I was worthy of the next call, which actually was super annoying. Yeah. So don't be that person. And, and like I mentioned earlier, that's your brand. That's the first thing I'm going to say to someone when they ask me, Hey, have you heard about this company or have you heard about this product? The first thing I'm going to say to them is, Oh, don't fill out that form. Right. Go somewhere yeah. else. It's just, I, I, just like we talked about earlier where, you know, you become accustomed to, uh, you know, what your experience is with the live chat, right? Uh, we, now we know as B2B buyers that if you fill out a form on someone's website to download an ebook or attend a webinar uh, or see a demo, like, you know what that is going to look like. Five minutes later, you're going to get a call from, like you said, an SDR, uh, which again, nothing against that, you know, position in general. But what that typically is, is a less experienced salesperson that doesn't, hasn't done any research on your company. It's calling to qualify you. Uh, when all you wanted to do is see a little bit more information or you wanted to see a demo, right? And it could be a huge turnoff in that process, but it also can then m- make you not actually ever, like you said, ever fill out that form in the first place. So uh, my hope would be just like the trends with the live chat is if we collectively as marketers make a better buying experience and get away from this uh, you know, continuous hamster wheel of we have to feed the sales team with as many MQLs as possible. So they're just sitting there, you know, dialing and calling people uh, to qualify them before they can even see a demo. If we change the way that we're marketing, then now consumers are going to change their behavior as well. Right. So then you're going to see more people actually filling out the form because they know that, well, I'm just going to watch a demo on demand. And if it's something I'm interested in, then I'll schedule an actual uh, personalized, you know, tailored demo or something like that. But that's not going to happen unless more companies adapt a better buying experience. Yeah, and I can relate to it as well because I think I, just as much as the sales rep wanted to disqualify me, I want to disqualify the company or the product because I want to know if this can this thing do this before I even waste my time. But I, I guess my follow-up question to you is like if uh, if our SDR to AE model of you know qualify then pass on and uh, they're doing all this outreach to get prospects to get into the funnel, how do they need to probably change their strategy knowing that you know there needs to be much more information you know pr- provided up front? Like how can the SDR outreach could be different um, as opposed to just cold outreach, get to, people to book a time, you waste their time qualifying and then passing them on to an AE? Like how do you think um, that entire process could be different or reimagined? I mean, I honestly think that that model is going to phase out. Hmm. Like, I I think, like, I've been doing outreach for many, many years, Hmm. like one-on-one outreach, selling enterprise software. I have never had a harder time than in the last two years in getting a response. Yeah. Like, my last job that I quit you know, some years ago was like, I think 12, 13 years ago was SAP. I was known as the queen of cold calling. That's how good I was. Mm-hmm. But also, but the world was in it. it well, the world was different, yeah. right? People weren't like completely disgusted with like an outreach, mm-hmm. but now we're being outreached in every single channel. Yeah. Like how many LinkedIn messages I think do that's, we get that's daily? That's the biggest piece, right? Is there so, so many channels, it's overwhelming. Everywhere you look, it's like right in your face. Yeah, exactly. And then every day I get like so many different webinar invites for this groundbreaking webinar that's happening in two weeks or like, you know, there's 
10, 20 different dev shops that reach out to me every single week, wanting, wanting me to, you know, engage with them. Right. So I think that model is, is already shifting. I don't know exactly how, but what I do know as like being a salesperson myself is I need to learn marketing. Yeah. And that's where the majority of my time goes right now. I think the future of sales is community driven. And, And when I say the future of sales, it's already here. It's just shifting like slowly. Um, I think the future of sales is community driven. It's social validation and it's consumer driven as well, right? What do the consumers want? Let's get, let's just give them what, what they want. It's, it's not going to be one-on-one anymore. It's going to be one-to-many mm-hmm. and w- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what price point that is. It's still going to shift that way. And what does that mean for, for salespeople or sales organizations is, they they better figure out how to better align with their community builders, right? Yep. Their um, you know their their marketing teams or their customer success teams, because people are not going to be want to sold like our people are not going to be want to be sold to in the same way as they were even a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just did a, pod, a webinar with a Chili Piper, and we talked about dark funnel, and then what you just described. I think this whole uh, sales community driven sales model where there's a lot of conversations happening and then social sharing is happening around their experience using a product or how they've solved the problem. And then they're explaining all these things on LinkedIn and all the other social channels. And then that direct people to go to uh, platforms like, let's say, you have been out or another software or whatnot. And they're expecting to learn more about that product or actually go straight to a demo or book a meeting or whatnot, right? So there's a lot of that is already happening. So I think salespeople need to, like you said, learn marketing, create content, share insights, be more active where their buyers are, right? And educating them there. And then that indirectly will lead to conversations that happens offline uh, on one-on-one meetings or maybe even going and watching a a pre-recorded demo. Yeah. I mean, why is everyone posting on LinkedIn nowadays, including myself? Right. We're trying to build an audience. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because we know that's valuable. Um, and, and anyone that's built a community is gating that community. Like, you know, you might want to do a partnership campaign with them or whatnot, but a lot of these communities are, are, are vendor free. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what does that mean for everyone else? You need to have your own community in order to sell your own product. Right. And mm-hmm. people like Justin Welsh, for example, are, are like thought leaders of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the first time in the, in the past few years, have companies actually bought communities as a product, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I can't think about it on the top of my head, but like yeah, I know there's that that's one, happened. Which is outreach. Outreach did that with the sales hacker. They acquired a sales hacker, which was a community. And I don't know, Salesforce, I mean, sorry, HubSpot bought, uh, you know, I think it was um, Hustle, yeah. which is a publication yeah. with a lot of audience. HubSpot did that. But I do have a question follow up to that because- I know you mentioned the whole model of outreach and outbound has to change, but you have companies like SalesLoft that just went through an acquisition, pretty massive one. I think it was like a couple of billion dollars. And then I think outreach is worth a couple of billion dollars and HubSpot is deeply, you know, investing into their sales outreach product line. Um, You know, HubSpot is a company that really preached inbound, but then they ended up creating outbound calling system and sequencing and all those things. So you're seeing a big, big investment happening and there's a lot of mega companies in that space. So I don't know what they're not seeing that maybe you and I are uh, seeing, though, um, that they're continuing to be selling these these solutions and making people want to buy into that that methodology. I mean, I think it's it's shifting, but it's it's not happening overnight. 
right? Yeah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of jobs that also kind of depend on this um, as well, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, I personally would love to see the compensation models in, in sales teams change, right? I think there are other teams within an organization that should be sharing, you know, that, that comp model, like customer yeah. success, for example, right? Like, you know, like marketing, yeah. right? But why are sales teams the only, the, the only people that are paid on, on commission mm-hmm. when they own, all they do is make the first sale? But the customer success team is actually the people that that keep the customer there for the next 10 years. There's just a lot of things that don't make sense to me in sales, having been a salesperson myself mm-hmm. for you know my my entire career. So like those are those are interesting questions. I'm not the expert for that, but it's like it's definitely a trend to keep an eye on for sure. But that's also where the opportunity is for you know bootstrap founders like me or or marketing teams is like if you can get ahead of that. Um, and be more aligned to the consumer, like then I think you're just going to be more successful. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think uh, this has been a lot of great advice and, and great conversation. If you look at the, um, the the company as you mentioned earlier, that's already doing all this right, and they're they're already creating webinars, and all of that resonates with them very easily. It seems like a, a very easy transition to say, okay, well, I don't want to have to do this webinar every week and go through this, you know, whole rigmarole of. Uh, <laughs> producing it and then uh, having people not show up and all these kind of things. Right. But what about the companies that are just kind of, uh, you know, if we're talking about using webinars or leveraging video as a form of marketing and making the shift, and this is their first sort of attempt at that, what advice would you have for companies um, in actually creating a, a webinar, what they need to do, how, how, how can they get into it? Um, what sort of topics can they, they talk about those type of things? I mean, I think my best advice is don't overthink it. Sure. Everything you need to do, you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Like, to automate a webinar is 10 times easier than running a live one mm-hmm. because you can actually just record your perfect video. You can edit it. You can do it at home. You can do it with a customer. Um, if you know monologuing is hard, the best way to do, the best way to create amazing content is to leverage your best asset, which is your best customer. Yeah. Some of our best performing webinars is, is just companies having conversations with their customers on the benefits of using their product and service, right? How do you use it? How do your customers talk about it? What kind of ROI are you seeing? Like, and that's their form of a demo. And, you know, and that, it's that super easy to do. You can do that, you know, on Riverside, on Zoom, um, spend 20 minutes with a customer, just have a great conversation with them and then automate that. Um, And then you can always like put it out there. And the reason why I say don't overthink it is because the only person that knows that something is not perfect is you. Yeah. And when you overthink it, you never put something out there and then you're never getting that feedback. Yeah. Once you put something out, out there, you know what customers want more of, yeah. you know how they react, you know if it's positive or negative, and only with that feedback can you make it better and change it. And only with that feedback can, will you know what other information you, you should be putting out there. Yeah. Um, so I would say, like, don't overthink it. Take your best piece of content, automate that, and see where else you can go with it. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the compounding effect of speed, right. And marketing and content marketing is, is exponential because of everything you just said. Like if you, if you focus on just do it, get it out there, get the feedback and then iterate. And then you, 
multiply that by the fact that this is automated, right? Um, I mean, we we were doing this exact same thing before we got eWebinar of, uh, well, every every other Thursday we would have a webinar, and all you know, all of a sudden that would be on you, right? It's oh, it's the day before the webinar. I need to update the slides. I need to do this, and we have a big customer project coming up, and uh, you know, all of a sudden that, and it takes you know three four hours, uh, a couple hours to prepare, and then a couple hours for the actual webinar, uh, and it's really all for for nothing in the sense of uh, you could have been pre-recorded, like you said, you could do it whenever you have free time. Uh, so it doesn't matter if something pops up on Thursday because you already recorded the webinar. Right. And then now I can, now we can make 10 webinars, right? We could have a, you could have 50 webinars available at once, which just isn't possible if it's not pre-recorded. So I agree with that. Um, I think just get, get it out there. Um, I think it is easy. Like you said, the best, best place to start is with your own customers in any sort of marketing. Um, talk to your customers. Why do they like to work with you? Why do they like your product? Uh, why did they choose to work with you? Uh, what considerations did they make? All those same things. That's really what your customers, the potential customers care about, right? They don't really care about what your product does. They care about what your product does for them. And so hearing from other companies on how it impacted their business is going to be your best sales tactic. Yeah. And the best thing about automating something like this is you don't have to worry about constantly driving traffic to the next webinar that's happening whether it's the Thursday or next month or next quarter or whatever it might be, like you can continue with your day, have this running all the time and send it to people as they come through or have it sit on a landing page, have it sit on a relevant blog. Uh, Actually, one of the best ways that we promote a webinar, like an evergreen webinar is we write an SEO optimized blog on the topic and we just kind of let it sit there and people just keep coming through. They're pretty high quality leads. If I happen to be there, I can hop in and say hi. They're usually delighted that someone's actually there. <laughs> um, and you can just kind of have fun with it. And, you know, to your point, like if you're running one webinar a week, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. You literally can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. But if you're automating it, you can have 10 different tracks, yep. right? 20 different tracks. Um, go deeper into the product or service, go to different industries, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, Melissa, we appreciate you joining us today. This was extremely valuable and I know our, our listeners are going to appreciate it. Um, where can uh, people go if companies are interested in, in leveraging your platform? Where can they go? How can they reach out to you? Uh, where can they see a demo, a pre-recorded webinar uh, on your website? Well, if you want to connect with me, um, the best place is LinkedIn. So my last name is spelled Kwan, Melissa Kwan, K-W-A-N. And if you're curious about how um, eWebinar works and how it can power your business, um, just visit our website. It's a, uh, it's spelled exactly as it sounds, <laughs> eWebinar.com. Of course, our demo is, is on demand, delivered through our own product. So if you want to live through a very meta experience of getting an eWebinar demo in eWebinar, <laughs> just go to our website and click on the demo. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for, for joining us. Uh, please give us a like, subscribe to the podcast, share this uh, with a, a friend or a colleague that you feel like needs to hear this message. And again, thanks, Melissa, for, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, Share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. 
And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight, all right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers, head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that can help you become a growth marketer, all right? So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.